And as our heads are bowed, let's pray for some individual needs as well as our own. Kathy Tuan from our congregation lost her dad this week. Pray for that family. Kathy Tuan, McLean, Scott, Ling, part of our congregation. They're out west now. We lift them up. Father, we lift up Eddie Morales, our partner in Managua, Nicaragua. We lift up Eddie, who was on his way here tomorrow to meet with us here as a leadership at Grace City and caught COVID and is in just out of a Chicago ER and in a hotel in Chicago recovering. We lift up Eddie. What a great partner he's been for 13 years. An orphan network. That whole organization has been such a valuable piece of our ministry here. So we lift them up. Lift Eddie up. Lift up Jasmine. Accepted for a clinical trial in Boston. We pray that her health will empower her and enable her to be part of that. Finally, we lift up Paula Huggins, our worship leader this morning. We're so grateful that she can be with us this morning as she undergoes treatment for cancer and all of these folks. Paula, so dear to our hearts, Lord, as all of them are. So we give her to you for everything she needs. We thank you for giving her strength she needed to be with us today to worship. We know that worship gives her life, and we know that her life gives us life because of her devotion to you and her uncanny capacity to lead us in worship. So we thank you for that today. All of our highlands, all of our hills, all of our valleys, all of our heartache, Lord, we lift to you now as we journey home together in the Psalms. We pray in Jesus' name, all the Lord people said, amen, amen. Let's hear it for Paula Huggins, our worship leader. And for the worship team. She's waving at the worship team, so let's hear it for them, too. It is no small thing that they are putting all this together in a troubled season. Um, and uh, this morning, we're go- I want you to keep that in mind, because today we're going to end up at the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate uh, at the communion table together. So would you begin to prepare your hearts? Prepare your hearts at home. Start to get. make sure you have your elements at home. Water is fine, but grape juice, wine, wine midday is awesome, um, your crackers, your bread, uh, really all of it works, uh, and uh, we'll be sharing at the communion table in just a few minutes. But this morning, in the meantime, we're on a journey home in Psalm 122, so you can turn to Psalm 122, it will be on your screen here and at home, but, um, but you can turn to it to get the whole context. And as a follow-up from Tolu's awesome sermon in Psalm 121 last week, uh, home, home is our title this morning. And one of you asked me about two weeks ago, Bob, would you ever use a country song as you match songs with, with psalms this summer? This is Songs of the Summer as our series. As you know, if you've been here at all, you, we're matching a, a popular song of some sort with our psalms. Uh, and I've gone through, through Motown, I've gone through Pop, I've, uh, uh, Jamon's brought us stuff, to- uh, Kristen's brought us some, Tolu brought us last week Help from the Beatles, which she admitted she had never heard before. That shows you how different things are. But, but this morning I am bringing you a country song uh, that reflects our journey home, and it's Philip Phillips' song Home from 2012, and that's about as much as I know about it. But I did listen to it this week because the lyrics match our psalm in so many great ways. 
Here it is. Just, just watch this. Hold on to me as we go. As we roll down this unfamiliar road, settle down. It'll all be clear. Watch this. Don't pay no mind to the demons. They fill you with fear. Don't pay no mind. The trouble, it might drag you down. If you get lost, you can always be found. That's good news. Just know we're not alone, right? You remember it? Because I'm going to make this place your home. And then we need the banjo to come in. But we have had very few banjos in this band through the years. Well, you can expect all kinds of emotions when you get to the end of a demanding journey. If you've hiked the Rocky Mountains, you might know what I mean, and you might remember the Collegiate Range in central Colorado, where the average peak is over 14,000 feet, Mount Yale, Mount Harvard, Mount Princeton, and on and on this range goes. And back in the day, Sue and I climbed there um, on our honeymoon. Uh, and climb is an overstatement, actually. It's largely a walk at high altitude. Uh, with some slippery shale, especially when you get over the tree line at 11,500 feet. Now, on our first day, as we reached the tree line, that's when the altitude sickness set in for me. So it was fine. I was very sick and desperately nauseous. Anybody ever been there at altitude? You know what I'm talking about? About a handful of you. Desperately nauseous, the strength just drains out of you. And the only way to proceed in your mind is to set a target. Five minutes up, five-minute walk, five-minute rest, drag yourself another five minutes. Well, when we finally spanned the pass and descended to a stream on the other side of the range, and we pitched our tent that first night, the first words out of my mouth to Sue were this, never again, never again. Now, when our kids were very young, we tackled another mountain. We took a trip to Disney World, and one of my daughters, who was finally tall enough to ride Space Mountain, uh, for the first time, she sat next to me on the ride. And as the ride launched, she began to, I won't tell you which of my daughters, you can't make fun of them, but she began to scream, and she began to cry, and she buried her face on my shoulder, and the volume of that screaming rose as the, as the ride went on. It went on for the entire ride, and when, she got, when we got to the end, she looked at me with a huge grin and said, Can we do it again, Dad? Now, the journey that Cholu commenced up the mountain last week toward Jerusalem in Psalm 121 is more like the Rocky Mountains than Space Mountain. Uh, in, its, in reality, it's like inching your way up above the tree line. You're desperate for relief. Uh, it's far more like that than it is enjoying a ride at Disney. And yet, despite the danger, the psalmist's reaction at the end of Psalm 121 is far more like my daughter's Can We Do It Again, Dad, than it is like mine never again. So let's look at uh, the follow-up here in Psalm 122, and you see that it really starts with the thrill of starting for home, the thrill of starting for home. And I want us to work hard this morning, church, excuse me. <clears throat> Summer humidity gets me. The thrill of starting for home. Look at verse 1. Here's the thrill begins. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So the psalmist's feet may be sore, but his heart is thrilled. And he's looking back to when they started out, when they began. He's grateful for those who suggested to him that they make the trip in the first place. Because, Grace City, if you take nothing else home this morning, take this home. Pilgrimage is a community business. We do this together in the Lord. This is not a solo trip. You don't do it on your own, though many of us try living our life in Christ by ourselves. 
We try doing this faith journey by ourselves. But discipleship is not for lone rangers, and it is not for solo pilgrims. For him, for the psalmist, in verse 1, it was, it was a simple invitation. Let's go to the house of the Lord. Come on, let's go. Now, for us, it might look like this in our world. It might be a simple invitation to join us for Christmas dinner. Come on, I know you're out of, out of town. You can come, you can join us. It could be like several who went on the trip to the African-American History Museum a few weeks ago. It was just, come on and go with us. And for so many, it was such a robust and profound pilgrimage to go to the museum together. And hopefully next, next year we're going to expand that kind of a trip and go on a, um, a civil rights tour of the South for a week. Who's in? Who wants to go? We're all in. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. we got a picture. For me, as a 14-year-old, there was an invitation very much like we see in Psalm, in Psalm 122. It was an invitation at 14. I was a freshman in high school, and it was an invitation to a Young Life weekend camp. And I had rolled my, I was a cool freshman, right? I was a ninth grader. I was into being cool Dalton. And it was like, like I rolled my eyes at the idea of going away on a weekend camp. But then this upperclassman said to me, you got to come with us. Don't wait. It, you'll have to wait another year before this trip comes around again. Don't miss it. I guarantee you'll have the best time of your life. This was from an upperclassman who I thought was cute. So I had to square my idea, Alan, that it was uncool with the fear of being left out. I had to balance those two things. And I'm so glad that at 14 years old, I didn't miss that trip. Now, because that's where I, at 14, met, heard the gospel and met the Lord. I'm so glad I went. That's what this invitation, let's go to the house of the Lord. Now, I don't know who said to you some equivalent of let's go to the house of the Lord, but I hope you'll stop a few times in your life. And say thank you to them. Every so often someone comes out of our past ministries and through the years. Right, Jermon? You're not yet. And says, thank you for being there. So I hope you'll stop and say thank you. Now for our psalmist here in 122, pilgrimages were normal and even obligatory. You couldn't celebrate one of the great festivals without coming to the temple at Jerusalem at some point. You can see it potentially like an annual thing, like, like Christmas, where the community follows uh, a well-worn path to a celebration year after year. That's coming up in about 140 days, by the way. Uh, or you can see it uh, like a life journey, stepping out to follow the Lord. We have lots of ways to come together and to grow together in pilgrimage as a community. Remember, it is always community business. So there's the thrill of starting out, but then there's the joy in the arrival, the joy of being home. And we see that uh, in verse 2. Take a look at verse 2. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Well, we've arrived. We're there. If it's the annual journey, you post a photo on Instagram or Facebook. If it's the life journey, and none of us have made it home on that journey yet, but, but this is a foretaste in our life journey of what it's going to be like. This is an assurance in verse 2 that God will see it through and he will see us through it. Are you with me? He will see it through and he will see us through it. Church, we sing this song, this psalm, this song, we sing this in bandit country. Are you with me? This is difficult country that we're in. This life on this side of heaven is bandit country. There's all kinds of things that rob us. And we don't sing this psalm to rehearse our entitlements. I want you to get this. We don't sing this song to rehearse our entitlements in Christ. 
we sing this with the promise of arrival before us so that we can glimpse a future that will encourage us to persevere in the now and be his agents of grace on earth. You see, it's not like we're trying to reflect on what's due us or coming. It's so that we can be effective agents for him on this side of heaven, on earth, as it is in heaven. Here's how the New Testament sums this up. And Corey Barnes, if you're listening this morning, I know you will sometime this week. You hear this New Testament summation from Jude, the book of Jude in, in 124. Corey's benedictions every week go like this. You remember? Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling... And to present you faultless before the throne of great joy. Can you take that in this morning, Grace City? You and me presented without fault and with great joy to God Almighty. That's something to keep in mind as we go through this journey. To him who is able to keep us from falling. It's, it's, it's reflecting Psalm 120 here. Grace City, here's my question for you this morning. Do you let your heart, do you let your, better yet, do you let your imagination race ahead of you at times on your journey home in Christ? Do you let your, your, your imagination race ahead, picturing your arrival with Christ so that you can sustain your journey along this slippery climb with this slippery shale above the tree line? I'm going to come back to that question in a minute. But we see in verse 6 that this is, um, when it comes to Jerusalem, which totally started us on the, the path last week, this is more of a prayer than a reality on this side of heaven, right? He prays in verse 6, take a look, for the peace of Jerusalem. And we must have clear eyes, church, to see the history and, and the reality of Jerusalem from Old Testament to New Testament to future. And if we're going to have um, right expectations for our Christian journey, I need to know what I can expect in the now and what belongs to the not yet. Are you with me? I need to know what we can expect in the now, the already, and what we can um, look forward to in the not yet. For instance, we don't see a sliver of the moon and imagine that that's all there is. We know better, right? In the same way, this is, I, I, I want to, before we go any further in this psalm, I want to put a couple of bucks in the meter and say a, a word about Jerusalem that we find in Psalm 122. And we're going to get into a little historical theology here, so stay with me. But it's not that complicated, and I think it will actually help you as you uh, study the Bible for yourself. The Jerusalem uh, we find in Psalm 122, John, and in the Old Testament in general. Let me, let me use a metaphor that's going to remind you more of an HTV, HGTV garden show than it is Scripture. Anybody watch HGTV? I don't, but now we got you on, on picture. But one of the gardens, listen, as you know, um, if you do any sort of gardening, and I actually do container gardening, it's one of my hobbies. If you do any sort of gardening, you have plants that are annuals, and you have plants that are perennials. Are you with me? And annuals you plant, and you water, and you look after, and you water them every day, by the way, and you look after them, and they flower that season in a riot of color that creates a splash. It's very splashy, and then that's it. They're done. My garden, my container garden right now is very splashy. It's like a tropical paradise. And come October, it will all come down. It's going to be done. It's sort of middle age right now, and it's moving towards its older, older adulthood. That's what you get for a season. 
Now, the Old Testament has annuals and perennials too. For instance, Old Testament food laws were a bit like annuals. They had their day. They served their purpose. They added to the distinctiveness of God's people. They were a riot of distinction. And then Jesus abolished them, declaring all food clean. They were over. They had their season. They were done. Are you with me? Now, perennials, perennials, they might flower in the first season you plant them. They might or they might not. But they'll do so again and again and again as the seasons go on. And it's often, church, only after a few years in that they, uh, uh, that they attain their richest glory when they're at their very best. The potential in the perennial was there from the beginning. But it needed time. It needed care. It needed time to mature and become the best it could be. Much of the Old Testament enjoys that sort of fulfillment. And let me tell you what I mean because we're headed towards the communion table. The sacrifices of Leviticus, the burnt offerings, the peace offerings, the sin offerings, they served their own generation. They served with distinction. But they only fully came to maturity in the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It reached its fullest glory in the sacrifice of Christ. That saving work of Jesus is what the old sacrifices always had in them, but what we'll celebrate in a few moments is their full flowering. Are you with me? In our text, the city where pilgrims arrive, Jerusalem, is a perennial. Jerusalem has a line that propels it from the Old to the New Testament. You see, there is the old Jerusalem, the city that David conquered. The city in verse 3, take a look, that is closely compacted together. And it's not just the narrow streets that you can still see there today. I mean, Jerusalem makes Hamden on Christmas Eve look roomy. But Jerusalem is famous for its compact, fortified walls, even before David strengthened them and later on when Nehemiah rebuilt them. David made it his capital city. The Lord chose to build his house there, and this is why Jerusalem dominates so much of the Old Testament narrative. But Jerusalem fully flowers in the New Testament, and this Jerusalem now moves beyond the geography of the Middle East, uh, Middle East real estate, and it's a spiritual city where Jesus now reigns. His capital city is the Jerusalem that's above where the international family of all who will believe in Jesus come together and make up its citizenry. This spiritual city is our real home. This is home. Somebody say home. This is the home that we look forward to. This is the home where the follower of Christ doesn't need a visa or a passport to get into, to travel to, because we are citizens of this city. This is our true home, citizens of of heaven, and it's where, as Philip Phillips says in his song, it's where we belong. It's where we belong. Do we get that sense in our imaginations? The old Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, you can even find a future Jerusalem in Revelation, our final destination in the new, of the new heaven in the new earth. This is the city that John struggles to describe in his final visions uh, in the book of Revelation. The bride, John, the jeweled stones, the walled city, intimacy with God, unsullied goodness, total security, all of it there. They're all a way of saying that everything, everything that is not yet for us at the moment will have arrived and be in place for us in the final time. That's good news, church. 
And I hope you're glad there. Okay, so done. I'm, the $2 in the meter are done. Let's move back to our Psalm in 122. That's Jerusalem. If you have any questions, take me to coffee and we'll talk about it. As we study these words in the psalm, we know that the psalmist is speaking of the Lord. He's speaking of Jerusalem, David's capital city. But we know from our New Testament context, and I'm going to get into this a bit in a moment, that his lessons are being projected out from the Old Testament, Old Jerusalem, to the New Jerusalem to include the followers of Christ in God's church now. So Jerusalem, take a look at verse 4. Jerusalem, he says, well, that's where the tribes go up. Israel was always, Israel in the Old Testament, always a collection of tribes. And their unity, like our tribes today, like the church today, should never be mistaken for uniformity. Let me say it again. Unity should never be mistaken for uniformity. There is a family likeness, uh, as well as a family savior that unites God's people. But there is a rich diversity. Look around the room real quick. Look around the room. Swivel your heads. Age, ethnicity, temperament, temperament. There are a lot of different temperaments in here. Let me tell you about temp. Can I tell you some? No, I shouldn't tell you story. Years ago at one of our venues, uh, Alan, you remember, uh, we flew the flags of, of 30 different countries, uh, to re- 30 different countries of origin that represented and celebrated who we are together. And, and we remembered this summer through our flavor groups and our retreats to the museum and our gatherings. We remember this, this, this is a church where the tribes go up, like this verse in Psalm 122. And what do they go up for? They go up to praise the name of the Lord. That's why we gather. We gather to go up together to praise the name of the Lord. That is the aim and the purpose of the pilgrim feast, church. That's why we take pilgrimages together. The tribes go up together. It's the heart's of our coming together. Now, verse 5, there stand the thrones for judgment. Wow. I can tell you're already listening differently now that judgment's been mentioned in the sermon. Judgment's a hard word, isn't it? Nod your heads. It's a hard word. The thrones of the house of David. But Grace City, while we shrink at the idea of judgment, our hearts warm at the idea of justice. Are you with me? We tend to think of judgment in a circumstance that is unjust, but that's not the case here. Grace City, every community needs justice. Let me say it again. Every community needs justice. And justice is what we're told again and again and again in the scripture that God will provide justice. Don't work to separate his judgment from his justice. They go together. Don't worry. The, guy, the Bible keeps putting them together. He will judge justly. And as an aside, don't work to separate judgment from grace and from mercy and from humility. All come together in this dimension of judgment and justice because you see the peace and security that's prayed for in verse 6. You can take a look at it again. Peace in the city is virtually impossible to attain without justice. Put that together in your head real quick. Peace is impossible to attain without justice. As the Middle East, among other places, is experiencing today with new war breaking out, new expressions of war breaking out. Lift up Israel and the Gaza Strip these days because it's horrible there. And they keep discovering that peace without justice is unattainable. And it's a huge cost when we don't put those things together. But look more closely and you'll see, you'll see that this peace is not only with perceived enemies... Three times in two verses, look at verse 7 and 8 on your screen, look at it at home. Three times, 
that little preposition within appears. Within. Did you notice it? Verse 7, may there be peace within your walls. May there be peace, security within your citadels, your churches. Verse 8, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace be within you. These are within prayers for peace. The psalmist keeps reminding us to pray for peace, for unity, because peace is precious and it's precarious. It's precious and it's precarious because you don't have to look too far to see how fragile peace is, do you? How fragile reconciliation is that, that we claim as our mission here at this church. It's fragile because we say in our minds, how can you expect me to be at peace with her? How can you expect me to reconcile with him? How do you expect that? There's so much brokenness. And how we expect it, Jamon is on our knees. This is our prayer. This is not something that comes easy. This is precarious mission. This church is on a precarious, tough mission, up journey home to Jerusalem, up the mountain. It's bandit country. It's hard. So we go to our knees together. And then in verse 9, a proper glimpse of heaven. Take a look. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, and I'll stop there for a minute. What wouldn't you do for the sake of, the, of your own home? What wouldn't you do for the sake of your house, for your home, for your home? What wouldn't you do? For the sake of the house of our Lord God, home, for the sake of our home, Whatever the limitations and weaknesses of the people, all of us, I will seek what? Do you see it? I will seek your prosperity. Wow. Your prosperity. It's, so it's, it's less about my wealth and more about your welfare. It's less about me and more about the other out here. And this projects as a perennial. This flowers more and more as we're about the business of planting peace, of waging peace. We plant it, and it flowers a little bit, and then a little more, and then a little more, but we got to stay on it. It's a journey we take together. You're not on this by yourself. This isn't something you have to decide, okay, I'm going to do it. We decide to do it together. And you see, as you read this psalm, Grace City, <coughs> excuse me, you can't miss it. These are the prayers of someone who have found, someone who has found his home her home. They know they found home. This is someone who knows, and we sang it earlier, here is where, here is where I belong. And when things are not right where I am home, where I belong, when things are not right, I will make it my home and I will seek its good. I will seek the prosperity of all that are at home with me. I will seek the thriving of those who are on the margins. I will seek the prosperity of the community that is on pilgrimage together. I will seek its good. Now, listen, if we're just mere churchgoers, you know what I mean. If we're just those, among those who show up to see what they might pick up, let's go to church and see what we might get out of it. We don't say that, but we, we feel it. These are, these are going to be, you're going to, if you're a mere churchgoer, you're going to tend to speak of them, them, and they, and you're going to tend to speak of me and mine. It's going to be about you. Coming to church today? Ah, eh, maybe. Who's preaching? Not Pastor Bob again. What else is going on this morning we could do? Listen, church, that's not a far step from we and us. It's a huge step. It's an enormous step from we and us. It's all about me and mine. We and us is the pilgrimage we're on. 
It's so far when we're just mere churchgoers. It's so far from I'll make my home with my God and his people. I will seek the good of this place and I will do it consistently. Grace City, let me ask what this, what wouldn't you do for the sake of your home? This is your home. The church is meeting at this hour on city. This, all of this is our home. What wouldn't we do for the sake of the house of the Lord our God? So we have the thrill of starting for home. We have the joy of being home together. But look as well at the wonder of what makes for home. And this is when I want to go into the New Testament. Grace City, listen, studying these songs of summer, these psalms, uh, it's one thing, but experiencing them is a whole other thing, Brendan. We can all imagine what Tolu preached last week. We can imagine the dangers of our journey along the way. We can imagine the bandits. We can imagine the illnesses. We can imagine the troubles. We can imagine the crises. Because all of us at some point experience it. We know about the dangers. But where is it that we can get a taste, a real taste of the home that we've sung about in this morning's song in Psalm 122? Where can we get a taste of it? Well, one, one place, of course, Kristen, is as we meet together. That's where we're intended to have it. Pilgrims on the same journey. Fellows on the, you know what fellowship is? Here's the definition. Take it home. Fellows on the same ship. That's as good as it gets. Fellows being a gender neutral. We don't come to church to escape and to retreat, not permanently, but to be refreshed and restored and challenged, ready to journey on as we leave this place and to journey on together. And one of the reasons that we struggle with that idea, church, is that we haven't properly grasped what we actually have when we're together. We don't quite get it, but it's there to be gotten. The apostle writing in Hebrews 12, and I want you to take a look at Hebrews 12. You can open it yourself or just look at the screen, look at the screen at home. Applies this Old Testament idea of the old Jerusalem in Psalm 122 to the New Testament spiritual city where Jesus reigned. So I'm taking you back to that quarter I put in the mirror. And, and now we're looking from the old Jerusalem of Psalm 122, Old Testament, into the new Jerusalem. Look at verses 22 and 24 through 24 of Psalm of Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. But you have come. This is he's writing to Hebrew Christians, new Christians, young Christians. Christians here at Grace City, Christians in Baltimore, you Christians have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem where Jesus reigns right now. You have come, watch this, here's the description. This ought to do your heart good. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. I love that. Are you ready for thousands of angels? You have come to God, the judge of all. He repeats this concept of judgment and justice. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to his sprinkled blood. And then he uses this, but he goes, which he writes, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember, he's writing primarily to Hebrew Christians, the blood of Abel. And why is the blood of Jesus better than the blood of Abel? Because the blood of Abel cries for vengeance. And the blood of Jesus cries for grace and mercy and forgiveness. The power of Jesus' death that we're about to celebrate. Jesus' blood is the one that brings mercy, grace, Pardon for sin. Somebody say hallelujah. That's the community you've come to this morning. That's the pilgrimage we're on. That's why we remember his death on the cross this morning. And if you're like me as I did this study, if, if, if there's any piece of this that strikes you like it strikes me, you need a moment to breathe. It's, this is big stuff that we journey on together. Here in the Lord's house, take a moment. 
We're going to bring the worship team up, and we're going to sing, and then we're going to meet you back at the Lord's table. And at a certain point in the song uh, online, we're going to let you go uh, online to a communion video that will be especially for you this morning. But here in the Lord's house, as the worship team comes up, begins to play, would you just take a moment to take all this in? The historical theology, the stories. What, what will you take home with you today? Take, take the time in prayer to nail at least one truth that you can take home today. Would you do that? Just let's bow our heads and then you'll sing. But take home, what one truth do you want to take home for you today? Perhaps it's about that we're a journey of pilgrims together, that we don't do this alone. Perhaps it's about the blood of Jesus. Perhaps it's about the people who invited you to go to the house of the Lord in the first place and you want to call them up today and say thank you. But let's have a moment of quiet to remember what we want to take home. And over all that as you are praying and then singing, church, remember our destination. And when we meet you at the Lord's table, that's where we meet safe home. Do you know that phrase? Safe home at the Lord's table. Be still and then sing. And we'll meet you at the table.